Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Uh, first of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the freaks come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. Welcome into another episode of From the Pink Seats Podcast, the only Louisville football-specific podcast in the 502. I'm your host, Jacob Lane, rolling solo on this rainy Thursday. As always, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod, as well as rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts from. I am pumped about today's episode. We've talked to several local media members who cover the cards throughout the season, but today, to get an even larger perspective on the program, we'll be joined by one of the best ACC analysts around, to provide a national look at Scott Satterfield in the card. On From the Pink Seats podcast will be ACC Network Studio Analyst and one of the hosts of the Gramlich and McLean podcast, Eric McLean. Eric is a Clemson alumni and multi-time ACC champion. Uh, very few know the lay of the land better than him. Today we'll talk through the disappointing season that was 2021 uh, and preview what lies ahead for the team and the conference in 2022. Plus, I'll get Eric's thoughts on the decision to retain Scott Satterfield, where UofL sits in the ACC landscape both this season and beyond, and how the cards can once again become nationally relevant. All right, let's go ahead and bring Eric in now. All right, we welcome Eric in now from the Pink Seats Podcast. Eric, man, how you doing? Man, I am just living the dream. I tell you what, spring ball is so close, man. I, I see all these posts. I see people getting ready in the weight room doing their thing. And uh, practice, it's, it's right here. So I'm getting excited. ACC football is so close to being back. That's absolutely true. And for the first time in Scott Satterfield's tenure, there will actually be a spring game this year for Imagine the that. football program. Imagine that. <laughs> It's it's oddly timed, uh, considering all that's happened, which we're going to get into uh, and chop it up here and talking Louisville football. But yeah, man, spring football is definitely exciting. It's interesting. Before you hopped on here, messing with my video settings, and I had our podcast art in the background as kind of a backdrop. And I look at the pink seats, which is obviously what the, the show is named after. And I'm curious from somebody who I, I don't know how many times you've actually been to Cardinal Stadium, but I'm sure you've seen it on TV for, for years. What were your thoughts looking at that and being like, why are the, the seats pink? 
Yeah. Well, can you can you tell me when it like when was the first year it happened? Just so, so I'm getting the dates correct. So okay, so the the stadium was built in the late '90s, like '98, right. and they were bright right. red up until probably late Conference USA, uh, maybe even probably okay. Big, okay. Big East, and then they were right. all the way up until when Vince finally painted them, had them redone last year. Right. But they were. I, I don't know. Did you make the trip to Louisville as a Clemson player? I know it was just barely in passing that that yeah. Louisville was in the ACC. Yeah, so we were there in 15, and I couldn't remember if it was 15 or when maybe we went two years after that, what it was, but my mom made the comment. She was like, Louisville, is it like a breast cancer awareness thing when we were there? Right. I was like, Mom, I think just the, the seats are worn. I just think that's what it is. And uh, so it's so funny. When you hit me up on Twitter uh, and I saw that that was y'all's name, I was just dying laughing because of that story and the fact that I'm sure a ton of people probably think something similar. Yeah, exactly. I think we get a lot of people who ask us, like, what's the significance behind the name if they've never seen it or been here? But people who get it, they get it and it, it clicks <laughs> yeah. immediately. So it always gives me a good chuckle to hear stories who have uh, from people who have seen the seats and probably been like, what the heck? So, right. <laughs> uh, well, let's jump in this, man. You, you're a former player. Obviously, you've been working in media now covering uh, college football for the ACC Network. Um, this offseason in particular, with the storylines of movement with the transfer portal, players, I mean, you had Louisville loose players who were leading receivers at, you know, I'm sure numerous other schools have had the same thing happen. You have a couple of big name hires, especially within the ACC, and then you mix in the kind of name image likeness stuff that's going around. Uh, do you remember like a crazier offseason? I mean, this is this has got to give you plenty to talk about on the podcast. Right. No, I mean, I don't think there could ever have been one, right? Because of all the outside things that have nothing to do with playing football with the transfer portal, with NIL, all these changes. I mean, it's, I don't think we've ever had the, the ability to have a crazier spring going into fall uh, than we've had right now. And, and it, it's so funny, man. I, I used to, you know, my first year, you kind of have this idea of what you should prepare, how you should do it, this and that. And I got to probably July after preparing since February, February to July. And so many things had changed. And that was two years ago. Now it's even more. So you really have to pace yourself. And I tell young people, you know, kind of get into this business, not that I'm some old guy or anything. Like that, but <laughs> I tell less experienced people all the time that, listen, this is a marathon and things are going to change all the time. So as you said, man, it, it, it's nuts. It's crazy to be a part of, but it's great for people like you and I, because there's so much to talk about. We, we have no shortage of content or shortage of things to cover at all. So it, it is very nice for us. That's right. We, we are still around here trying to, you know, dissect the end of last season, 2021. I mean, it feels like it was centuries ago that the football season ended. It was only, you know, up to two, three months. Uh, but we, we have so many storylines, so many things to talk about with coaching hires and, and Louisville's added a ton of transfers. There's been a bunch of recruiting news. So it's definitely kind of kept us on our toes this offseason. And it's great because you, you get those long off seasons and it's just like, geez, does this ever end? <laughs> so let's look back to 2021 uh, heading into the season. Louisville was a little bit of a mixed bag um, in terms of expectations. They were obviously four and seven in the, the COVID year in 2020, but they made some additions to the roster, brought in some new coaches. Uh, you have Malik Cunningham and his development happening in real time. And it seemed like they at least kind of have a chance to, to compete at the top of the ACC, knowing Clemson was going to be down a little bit. Uh, they end up at six and seven. They got the bad losses back to back with Kentucky and air force. Um, they, you know, they had some nice moments in there, the UCF walk-off win uh, and some of the other wins in the ACC. But overall, how do you grade the 2021 season for Louisville? Yeah, I, I think it's it's there's a lot to unpack right there for starters. Um, yeah, right. I, I could keep going. We, that's right. That's right. I, I think when, when we came into this season, right, it, it was such a 
what, what is Louisville going to be? You know, mm-hmm. is it going to be 2019 where we saw this rushing attack that was tremendous? We saw a very explosive offense that was hitting all kinds of plays through the air. Uh, but in that same breath, it's like, okay, a couple of big playmakers out on the edge are gone. Tutu Atwell's just won a Super Bowl. Like, he, he's out of here. Fitzpatrick's not, not there anymore. And so it's like, who is going to rise up and be that guy? And you kind of look at the roster and you're like, well – Maybe, maybe this kid, maybe. And it was a lot of inexperience and a lot of question marks. And then there was the case with Malik Cunningham where you're like, okay, 2020 was was okay. It wasn't bad, but it was very turnover prone. And, and it was something where, man, if, if we can just focus on that and, and Malik, if, if we can cut those in half, we'll be in a better spot. So I think what we saw was a little bit of that happen. I mean, Malik, I think, you know, kind of did identify, okay, I'm going to have to do a lot. Uh, for this team and, and that's exactly what he's able to do with his legs with his arm cut his interceptions in half which I think was tremendous cut his fumbles down but the fact that he you know had a thousand plus yards rushing right at three thousand yards passing I mean I, I think that's what Louisville wants and, and certainly more production from other people will will be great and will help but I think kind of at their core okay we feel really good about this being our identity, you know, a quarterback based team. We've been there before. We have a Heisman trophy winner that did it better than anybody. Um, And so how can we continue to build on that? So when you, when you take that snapshot, I think there was still disappointment in the defense. You kind of flipped what, you know, you were good or bad at uh, from 2020 to 2021. And now it's like, can we find that balance? So I think just because of expectation with having a player like Malik, I've got to give you like a C plus maybe yeah. just, and, and I'm sure y'all are probably harder. Y'all are probably more difficult on this team and, and wanting them to do more, but you know, getting to a bowl is great, but you know, getting to that eight plus wins is where I think this team should be on a consistent basis. Yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, it's been, it was a tough season to watch and each week we'd come back to the microphones like, well, same thing just happened. They blew a fourth quarter lead, should have won the football game. Right. Uh, and Scott Satterfield got absolutely destroyed uh, from the fan base for saying this, but he was spot on. Louisville is a few bounces away, both in 2020 and in 2021, from being a really, really good football team. But it's hard. It's hard to. I mean, every every program can say that. You know. Well, I, I, I'll say this with Louisville specifically, man. It's like you look at 2020 and 2021, and like the one score games, and those one score games that Louisville was ahead in some point of the game. And I keep going back to Virginia for this year. And I know that probably just kills people, but like an 18 point lead just disappears in the fourth yeah. quarter i mean it's the the lack of finish the lack of um i, I don't want to say effort because i think people are out there trying to win games but just not being able to close was shocking and, and we saw sat make some changes in the weight room staff i think that's mm-hmm. a huge piece of that and i think that we are going to see I, I wish we could go to practice every day right and, and just oh, see okay yes, what kind yes. of things are we putting emphasis on but i have to imagine that all spring all summer all fall camp finishing is going to be the word for Louisville. It it just has to, and they're going to be drills. They're going to do things in practice where, okay, we get to the end of practice. It's been 22 periods. Everybody's dog tired. We're going to go out and do a competitive drill, two minute drill, something to win the game. Who's going to step up. Who's going to be the guy who's going to be the leader because then we can start developing that where it's natural. We've been in this position. We do this. This is what we do. And we found success. So I, I think that that man is going to be critical. You bring up those one game, those one possession losses. I mean, it, it is insurmountable the amount that Louisville just, man, if, if we just didn't do that. And you could even say it about the UCF game. I mean, the way that finished, uh, we were a, a bounce away from losing that game. Right, so right. It, it's been crazy specifically to look at Louisville and how close you know this team is away from maybe double-digit wins. 
Exactly. And you could say the op, I mean, you could kind of argue that in 2019, when they won eight games, you know, you get a game like the, the Wake Forest game where Evan Conley scores on a fourth down play. He shouldn't have even been in the game to begin with. And Louisville beats a, a top 25 team there on the road. So it's, it's always been this kind of late in the game. They either get it right or they don't get it right. How do you kind of bring that effort in together? And that leads me perfectly into the next question. So they blew leads against North Carolina State, Wake Forest. Now, the Wake Forest one was an interesting one with the whole halftime clock situation. Uh, and then Virginia, Clemson. And quite frankly, you talk about giving up the, the lead to Virginia. Thank God that Cottrell Clark got the interception late against Florida State because Florida State very well could have right. came back and beat Louisville in that game. Um, but, <clears throat> excuse me, what, what do you think in terms of the fourth quarter moving forward, what's, what's the, you know, I know you could say the players just have to execute a little bit better, but we saw a mix of, of, you know, they got into those situations because of risk adverse um, conservative play calling that allowed teams to kind of come back. They would, uh, you know, fail to execute um, in the first two downs of, of, of a possession and then be stuck with a third and long. So uh, considering all those things, how do you, if you're Scott Satterfield this offseason, how do you fix that? How do you make that a strength and not a weakness? Because it feels like Louisville has had to work extra hard to get those victories. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's really two of them that tell the story the best is you look at that Virginia game. 21 fourth quarter points by Virginia. You look at the Clemson game, I think it was like 14 fourth quarter points and and we're putting up nothing or three, like both sides. It's defensively, offensively throw a third side in there coaching as well. It has to be a collective a collective group. Sorry to, to keep hitting home on that, but they, they just have to be able to finish. They have to put so much emphasis on that, whether it it, it is from a coaching perspective. Put our coaches in, in uncomfortable. Maybe you don't tell them. I, I've seen certain times where, you know, Coach Sweeney would just blow up the whistle and say, this is what we're doing. Everybody's like, whoa, whoa, we were just an individual period. And you put people in, you know, these adverse situations just to get the most out of them. So, Really, I think it comes to practice. I think it comes to, you know, figuring that piece out and just really getting it going. Yeah, in 2021, one of the big things that they kind of had on their side and, and one reason they won a ton of games or won the games that they did was Malik Cunningham and what he was able to do both on the ground, obviously leading the country in, in touchdowns from the, the quarterback position on, uh, you know, from running the football. Um, and he, he finished shy of just um, some absolutely unreal milestones where he would have joined former teammate Lamar Jackson and, and Jalen Hurts and a couple of other of really dominant dual threat quarterbacks. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about what you saw, but overall, how would you kind of uh, grade his season and, and his development, uh, especially as a passer more so than a runner? Yeah, man, I, I think it's been tremendous. I don't think there's any question about that. What, what does kind of stink, you know, for Malik is that the fact that this is such a loaded conference. I, I don't think there's any conference that even sniffs what the ACC has from a quarterback position and, and production, leadership, win, whatever you want to look at it. These guys get it done, and, and I think that he is right on that tier of flirting with a top-five guy, and I think he easily could be up there. Uh, you, you just have to continue the production. I think that that will get a big boost this year uh, just from wide receiver play. Everybody's growing up. We've got some really key pieces that are coming in, some big-body pieces that I think you know he loves to throw the deep ball, has one of the prettiest deep balls in the conference, and I think we'll see that again mm -hmm. this year. You know, his average this year was was right at – nine yards per per throw and and can we get that to double digits you know just things in the offense that everything is going to build around but he's an exceptional player I love watching him play and especially I mean that Duke and Syracuse game it just doesn't look fair it, it looks Not like even everybody else is just in slow motion and he's out there like the flash like just staring at people see you later I'm, I'm 60 yards downfield and man he, he's so fun to watch 
this is going to be kind of an interesting question. Um, so hang with me here. But can he be Kenny Pickett in the fact that he comes back for one more year when he probably could have tried to test the NFL? Maybe he's a late round guy. Can he go from being sort of that middle of the pack? Maybe, he, you know, he's a good quarterback, but not great to taking over and being one of the best in the ACC and potentially being maybe not a first round pick, but a, a day one, day two type of guy in the NFL? You know, it's funny you say that because that's exactly what I'm looking at. When I look at Devin Leary, when I look at Malik Cunningham, it's can they take that next step that Kenny did? And, and you ask yourself, okay, what's the comparison? Well, they are now going into year three as the full-time starter. They, they are going in as the guy, as the man, and, and having all of this knowledge. And can we finally put it together? And you look at what Kenny did, you know, this year in particularly, in particularly well – it was total ownership of the offense. It was go through, read one, two, three, check down, one, two, three, hit my backside fade. Whatever it was, he knew every play. He knew every route. He knew exactly where to go. And it, and it wasn't a, okay, Malik, this is where you're going to throw the ball. It is, this is your offense. Do whatever the heck you want with it. And I think we can expect to see that. I, if he's the quarterback that I think he is, I mean, that, that's the, the natural progression. Now, is he going to throw for almost 4,000 yards and 50 touchdowns? I don't know about that, but why couldn't he? I mean, we, we've seen that type of production out of these guys. And just when you, when you have that level of comfort in your offense, in your role, in your guys, look out what could happen. And, and so it's going to be really fun to say. I don't think that's out of the question for him to have that type of jump going into this last year. Yeah, my, my co-host Matt McGavick has uh, been on the train since the season really ended that he's got a legitimate chance to maybe not win or even be a top one or two guy for the Heisman, but be in contention if Louisville is going to be as good as potentially they could be uh, because of the season he had this year and the development in, in the last year. I'm just hoping he can get that fake slide in his repertoire. If we can, if we can hey, work on that this offseason. That. that was yeah. unbelievable. That was one of the best plays I've ever seen. One of the great, when you get a rule changed after you, that's like that, legendary. you, you know you did something legendary. So <laughs> let's move into a, a, an area of the field where you are super comfortable in and probably watch closely. Um, at Louisville, Jack Bicknell came in um, behind a fan favorite and a player favorite, and Dwayne Ledford, who left for the Falcons. Um, and he said in the offseason it was one of the best groups, if not the best he had ever coached in college, kind of leading into the 2020, 2021 season for Louisville. But they really struggled early, looked like they were kind of going to regress. But by the end of the season, man, Louisville's offensive line was moving Clemson. I mean, I've never seen Louisville move Clemson like that. I know it's not the Clemson that we've seen what you're used to, but still, when you're able to kind of show that improvement from a push standpoint, Knowing in 2020 that was a big area of weakness. What did you like about Jack Picknell specifically and what he brought to Louisville's offensive line? Yeah, really just continuing, you know, that great tradition. And and you look at the the guys that Louisville has produced, especially recently, uh, just just maulers, guys that'll get after it. And I think of Big Mackay and what a fun find that was in development. I mean, a guy who is that big and strong, and and when you can get him going in a certain direction, I mean, look out. But the thing I'm, I'm most, you know, excited about, I think, for this Louisville team is just the fact that the continuity that they do have coming back. I mean, I, I believe only losing one guy in Cole Bentley, who, who inevitably will move on. Uh, but everybody else, you know, kind of figuring out their role and kind of finding, OK, this is who I am. This is what I can do. And, you know, we saw a little bit, a little bit of that early, a little shuffle and moving guys to see where did they fit best. And, you know, so now that that has been established and we kind of know, OK, this is who to look out for. This is what we can do best. You know, I think there should be some really fun synergy moving forward because I can tell you what, when you have all five guys or, or four or more on the same page, 
man, it's a thing of beauty. And guys understand how to play with each other. They know kind of the little moments that come with being an offensive lineman. And it just makes it so much more fun to play with. Yeah, in 2019, I can't remember what the exact stat was, but it was from uh, Pro Football Focus that talked about quarterbacks and efficiency in the pocket. Malik Cunningham was a top three quarterback in the country, yeah. not yeah. just in the ACC, but and that was with Makai Becton. Now, obviously, Louisville doesn't have a Makai Becton this year, but they do have, like you mentioned, five guys. Brian Hudson is a, is a multi-year starter in the ACC, will step in at center there, um, and Louisville will be able to keep it moving. you got to think that offensive line will help Malik Cunningham. On the other side of the ball, defense really struggled to be consistent throughout the year, um, even quarter to quarter. There were some quarters, like in the, inst- the first quarter, they only allowed double-digit scoring on three occasions in their 12 games, uh, or in their 13 games, and, and they obviously had injuries to Monty Montgomery, Cottrell Clark, forced a lot of young guys and transfers to step up, but um, what did you kind of think of Brian Brown's defense? And then specifically, uh, just because I like to talk about Yasir Abdul anytime I get the chance, please tell me what you thought about Yasir Abdul's breakout season. Yeah, man, I, I tell you, the, the defense was, you know, I think very middle of the road. You know, I, I think the secondary was efficient. Those guys got after the football, I think had, you know, 10 picks or, or 10 turnovers there and, you know, really just able to, to do things here and there. But you know, then giving up runs. I mean, we couldn't stop anybody. Couldn't stop a bloody nose. And you look at that Kentucky game, and my gosh, it's like that's a complex in itself. And we might switch hats right here, and I'm going to ask you some questions on that. But when when you look at that game or when you look at teams that have this is what we're going to do, and it's just like Louisville couldn't stop it. Everybody in the stadium knew. And so, you know, I, I talking with Mark Ennis and some other Louisville guys, it seems like, okay, we can't play this small ball up front, fast Mm -hmm. linebackers, fast defensive backs. We have to get bigger. We have to have a war daddy up front, a couple of them if at best, figure out how to establish that line of scrimmage and really get after it. And I think when you look at this, you know, that's big boy football. That's what you have to do. We can't just line up and try to trick people or or do this and that. So I I think really, you know, getting bigger, whether that's the transfer portal, if that's a weight room, uh, you know, kind of initiative or mindset, or just the way we recruit. Let's let's just go get big 6'5", 300-plus pounders to play on that defensive line instead of quick little twitchy guys. So it'll be fascinating to see, okay, from an overall mindset, do, do we move to a 3-4 or from a 3-4 to a 4-3? Do we just have a bigger body in there that can maybe two-gap and control the line of scrimmage? So it'll be fascinating to see, you know, what does is, what is Louisville do moving forward? Uh, you, you look at these guys on the defensive line, though, and, and specifically just getting after the quarterback, uh, you, you're going to need more than one guy, but certainly was a great effort what we saw individually. Yeah, and and to, to speak a little bit about that with Yasir Abdullah from a pass rush standpoint, uh, you know, it's it's I would imagine for him, he would tell you if you gave him some truth serum that it's hard to be able to rush the passer at the level he'd like to, knowing that on the other side of the line, he's got a 185-pound linebacker playing as an opposite pass rusher, and he's playing next to, to defensive linemen who are just a little bit bigger than him. Right. Uh, but what did you see from him as a pass rusher? I thought he was a guy who could have gone pro this year, probably would have been a third, fourth rounder. Uh, he's a little bit undersized, but he comes back. He's got the, t- the chance to, to put some special numbers together for Louisville next year. He's the best pass rusher they've had since Devontae Fields back in 2016. What are your thoughts on how he performed this year for Louisville? Yeah, really, again, just impressive to see a guy be able to make such a big jump like that. Anytime that you go to double-digit sacks, you kind of take a step back and say, whoa, where, where'd this come from? Where, what's this guy able to do? And, you know, a little bit undersized, you know, for, for a true rusher, for a true edge rusher. But, 
I mean, at 6'1", 230, like he can get after it. He's quick, he's twitchy, he's relentless. So it's really, it's really fun to, you know, just watch him pr- from a production standpoint and, you know, be able to, to take over a game and to be able to really put them in a situation where, okay, if we can get behind the sticks, look out because Abdul is coming. You know, we're, we're going to find a way to really get after him and, and get him going after the quarterback. So now what's next is you have to be consistent. You have to keep putting that together. And in your final year, you know, what does that look like? And I know he'll be more than excited uh, to get his running mate and Montgomery back and, and to have both of those guys who I think have you know, really just thrived together. Um, it, it'll be fun to see them again in 22. Psst, you. Yeah, you. Enjoying this podcast? Like sharing Louisville events and news with like-minded individuals? Love being a part of the Louisville community? This podcast is part of a first-of-its-kind podcast network at thestateoflouisville.com. With daily news and opinions, seven podcasts, webcasts, and more, the State of Louisville is your home for anything and everything Louisville. Check them out at stateoflouisville.com today. All right, you talked about the UK fiasco last year. That's two years in a row. Obviously, 2020, they didn't play because of COVID. The the numbers are just astronomical. I don't even need to dive into them because it hurts my heart to see them every time, knowing that my lifetime Louisville has pretty much dominated Kentucky. And they, uh, the last few years, have not done that. But that led to a lot of conversation about Scott Satterfield's job security. There was obviously the whole situation last year with South Carolina. And was he or was he not considering leaving after four and seven? Uh, this year he comes in um, and they they don't necessarily take that big jump that many thought that they could here locally. I don't know. I, the national perspective and the local perspective for Louisville are just so massively different. I'm sure you see that a lot with fan bases, but never really knew what Louisville was. Obviously, the fourth quarter stuff happened all year long. And then the Vince Tyree stuff just kind of like piled on top. Satterfield returns. What are your thoughts on on him being retained as the head coach? And did L make the right decision? Yeah, you know, I think that he has um... – you know, slowly gain some of that trust back. Uh, that was such a, just a weird situation. And I, and I couldn't imagine as a player, um, you know, dealing with that, experiencing that and, and someone where, you know, so many guys came out and said, this is our guy. We love him so much. This is unbelievable. And then fast forward four or five months, we're hearing that, you know, he's talking to somebody else and the interviews with somebody else right after our president or AD, whoever said, no, you know, we're good. He's not doing any of that. And then it all comes out. So that was such a, just a strange situation. Um, But I I think he's earning favor back. I think some of the recruits that he's been able to get the signing class that he was able to put together um, people are excited about the future. And, and, and especially with this, these staff changes, I mean, he made those decisions and he was able to, you know, put this together, which I think a lot of people are, are jacked up and excited looking forward. So time will tell. I mean, it's hard for me to sit here and say, yeah, absolutely. It was a home run. Uh, but everything is solved by winning. All things are forgiven when you win. And, and so if we can just kind of harness that 2019 energy and that 2019, you know, kind of results that we got, you know, I think people will be very excited. So it, it's just a matter of getting it done on the field and did the staff and did the players that we have compiled, you know, did they do enough to, to, to continue that trend? Yeah, and I think one of the things that bothers Louisville fans a lot here is there was a time when, you know, it was it predates the ACC network, but if the ACC network would have been around early when Louisville was in the ACC, there would have been a lot more conversation about Louisville as a legitimate team. Obviously, that would have been the Lamar Jackson days yep. by Petrino. There was a lot to talk about Louisville from a, uh, not only the ACC at the top of the ACC, but at, from a national standpoint. And now it just kind of seems like they've slipped into this 
irrelevancy uh, of the middle of the pack of a, of a football conference that, you know, is not bad, but is not what it once was or could be. So from your perspective, you talk about a number of different programs. You see everything from a national perspective. There's no bias when looking at, you know, Louisville and NC State and Wake Forest. What are your thoughts on Louisville from a national and ACC relevancy? Yeah, I think the inconsistency is what's hurt them the most. I think the fact that, you know, we can look like world beaters one week and then just absolutely, you know, forget how to play football, a la Kentucky, a la Air Force, which that that's where it like that's where it matters, right? That's what right. people care about the most from a national perspective. What I think, you know, the ACC is you know, kind of struggled with a little bit recently is when we do go out of conference, when we do play the SEC or the Big Ten or, you know, the Big 12, anything of that nature, the, the showing hasn't been very positive outside of maybe a Clemson. And, and so, you know, how can everybody else kind of elevate themselves, you know, to really get that done? And it certainly starts with your rival. I mean, you, you get a free shot at an SEC opponent that has found their way at maybe the the top of the middle I guess I mean I think they've had pretty good success here recently um you you have to be at least more competitive I'm not saying you have to beat them every year I know Louisville fans want to do that but 52 to 21 it's not working that that's not going to cut it and and so you take a couple more of those you know look out but um you know I, I think it's super super interesting from a national perspective that that's what matters the most. And so I think that's where you start to get that respect. And then just from our peers and the things that we discuss, you know, on the network and and amongst ACC friends, it's just, it's that consistency piece. It's the fact that, you know, we can be up 18 points and lose. And the fact that we, you know, haven't been able to finish or, or look like one thing one week, and then whatever reason, we can't transfer that to the next. We get really excited to play a, a, a Florida State or something of that nature and then maybe lull to sleep and lose a game we're not supposed to. So I think that's the key. And, and that just comes with mature teams, mature coaching staffs, and, and really you know getting your full culture in place there. Yeah, the culture has definitely been a growing part of Scott Satterfield. I think it's one thing that's really protected him from, you know, kind of the uh, sped up expectations of winning eight games in your first year after supposed to be in a total rebuild. But this year he brings in a number of power five transfers two high, um, you know, power five experience coaches in, in Wesley McGriff and Lance Taylor. They bring in guys like D Wiggins from Miami, Tyon Evans from Tennessee, Momo Sonogo from, um, from Ole Miss and a couple of other guys, Jalen Alexander from Duke. So they're getting guys from a number of levels, no longer just focusing on the lower power five, uh, non-power five schools uh, and FCS schools where they've really, you know, kind of brought in the majority of their transfers the last couple of years. What do you make of the offseason for Louisville and how do those play into when you look at 2022 and where their win total might be? Yeah, I, I certainly I kind of mentioned earlier, but I think that the, um, you know, the coaching changes are going to be big. I think specifically in the you know weight room and the mentality that they can have there. You know, what does that look like for our team moving forward? What does that do from a mindset wise? of, okay, we're going to get this done. This is who we're going to be. This is what we're going to do. And, and I think that that, you know, time will tell, you know, obviously. And, and I think from a the, the defensive perspective, you know, who do we want to be? What do we want to do? How much of a mindset changes there, um, you know, will, will be really interesting this year, just because I think what we'll see is, okay, this is where we want to go. We, we might not have the bodies to necessarily be there, but the good thing is you have a transfer portal and, and you have guys that you can go in there, you can grab them, 
they they're they're eligible. I mean that that's right. the craziest thing is back back in my day uh, <laughs> we had to sit out, we had to wait our turn, and and you know now it's it's free agency. So when I'm looking at these transfers, I'm looking at guys that are coming in. Uh, Evans from Tennessee. I mean that's going to fill a massive void and hopefully be a really nice one-two punch with Mitchell in the backfield, and of course you know you turn that into maybe a three-headed monster with Cunningham. You look at these wide receivers, you know guys that you know, at least we'll help press the room. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, they were what they were at their, you know, given universities, but can they, a grass is greener type thing and maybe a fresh start will really do them well. So I think that's what you're, you're seeing is you're feeling, you're filling immediate voids. There's a couple of freshmen in this portal or, or in this signing class as well that I think will have the ability to play right away. So it's going to be really interesting with, you know, who can come in, who can earn that respect and who can go out there and get it done on the field. All right, looking at Louisville's roster, we've done this on our show the last couple of weeks. If it's hard to predict at the end of a season what an all-ACC team will look like when we are literally in February. But this, the, this, this kind of proposition the last few years would be crazy to think of. I mean, in 2019, Louisville did have Mackay Becton, Des Fitzpatrick, and Tutu Atwell. But our argument as a show this offseason is this is the strongest core top to, uh, at the top and then top-to-bottom roster that Satterfield has had here. So when I give you uh, this, this question, and I, I'll probably have to give you some names here just to kind of help spur the, the memory, but if I say to you over or under three and a half guys on the all-ACC first team for Louisville this season, what would your answer be to that? Would you take the over or the under three and a half guys? Yeah, I, I'm probably – man, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the lineup right here. I'm thinking maybe an offensive lineman because that's what you do. You're going to run the football. You're going to have some good backs. Maybe, you know, a Mitchell, if he's feeding and, and he's really hungry, maybe the transfer from Tennessee. Um, I don't think – I mean, Malik would have to have an unbelievable year. There, there's just so many. So right. I, I have to write that off. Malik, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Now you're taking uh, the field. That's a smart right. betting man to take the right, field. Right, right. And then defensively, okay, if, if you know, obviously Abdullah can do what he did again and build on that, then you've got a great shot. Um, I don't know, man. It feels disrespectful for me to say under, but I'm probably going to go under. I okay. think that – I think you said three and a half. I think three, three would be a solid number. Four would be a great – I mean, you're probably fighting for a spot in the championship. That's right. I have been at the four line, and, and I've talked about Malik potentially being my fourth guy. I've kind of flexed him in there we, as we talked about it because – I mean, his numbers are just unreal. And if Louisville is much better than what they were last year, just by simply uh, the better team, Louisville's going to get much more coverage. Malik's going to be talked about much more, whatever. But when you look at guys like Caleb Chandler, uh, left guard in Louisville, he was second team all ACC last year, first team all ACC, not a stretch this year. Uh, Cottrell Clark was uh, was on the all ACC team last year. If he's not injured, probably a first team guy in all ACC. Then you look at Yasir Abdullah and then a a dark horse for me, a guy who I thought was going to have a much better season. Louisville can figure it out on the goal line. Marshawn Ford from the tight end halfback spot. He is freshman season or sophomore season when he when he first got that scholarship. I think it was seven, eight touchdowns led the ACC as a, as a tight end and touchdowns there. Think that he is a guy that last year got the downfield part uh, right, but now trying to mix it all together as an explosive downfield target, a blocker, and a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a really talented kid, and he puts up numbers. And, and again, Louisville's better. It's going to give them more opportunity. I take the over, but I am also probably considered a little bit optimistic. For doing so I, <laughs> I like it, though. I like it. I, I think that, you know, again, when, when you're throwing those guys' names out there, that, that's probably who, when you're looking at it, it's Chandler. I, I think that that makes a lot of sense and probably will get a lot of love preseason. Uh, Keetre Clark, again, just a guy that, 
you know, people probably forget about as I just did because of the injury. But right, exactly, you know, for, right. for mid-season, my mid-season awards, he was on my first team All-ACC at defensive back. So it, it's going to be interesting, man. It really is. Um, and, and even the, the preseason stuff's great, but it, of course, is how you finish. Absolutely. All right, we'll get you one more question here, just looking at the ACC landscape, because you will probably answer my question on where Louisville will fall in that. But when you look at the the, the conference, probably going to be better in 2022, get a lot of uh, really good quarterbacks back, a couple of coaches in there who can mix it up. Wake Forest going to be really, really good. Now, give me what you kind of think is the hierarchy of the ACC. Is it Clemson, everybody else? How, what, how do you see this kind of playing out this year? More parity? What, what, what are you thinking? Yeah, well, I'll tell you this. It, it's certainly until proven otherwise is not Clemson and everybody else. I mean, they, they have got to figure out that quarterback position because if, if it's more of the same for the Tigers at the QB position, whether it's with DJ or, or someone else, I mean, look out. Everybody else is getting better. And, and that's, I think, what what's such a key thing here is you, you have to perform at every position in this league to be good. It, it can't just get away with – uh, you know, we, we have a, a decent guy at this position. We're going to win every game. That's not the case. And, and so for the Tigers, they've got to figure that position out. Now, their defense, I think, is going to be the best in the country. Uh, they have so much coming back. They're going to be able to get after the ball. Everybody's making a lot of these def- these coordinator changes. I, I think it's just going to be business as usual. The players, they didn't go anywhere. You know, some of them left uh, to the NFL with Andrew Booth and Mario Goodrich. But a, a key piece of that, especially that defensive line, they're all coming back. So look out there. Uh, then you look at a Wake Forest, they should be very good uh, from an offensive perspective. I, I expect them to average clear over 35 points a game. NC State is probably the most complete team. Uh, when I look at their offense and, and what they have coming back, especially led by Devin Leary, and then a defense that, I mean, my goodness, those three linebackers are, are probably the best in the country from a unit perspective. If they can stay healthy, look out. I, I mean, that, that's that'll be the biggest thing because, you know, they really – got bit by the injury bug on defense and still were able to put up some of the best numbers in the conference and in the country. Pittsburgh, you know, quarterback play is, is the question mark there. You know, can Slovis come in and and do similar things uh, that, that they were able to get from Kenny Pickett, as we know, Jordan Addison is back. A lot of key members of that defense is going to be back. And then Miami. I mean, I know there's always hype and I am guilty as anybody with this, but Tyler Van Dyke is, good and he's really good and the way that he finished the season you know passing for 300 plus three tds plus in the last i think it was four five six games of the season uh there's going to be unbelievable hype there as well so really when i look at those teams i think that's kind of the the upper echelon if you will and then it's kind of everybody else fighting for for where's it going to be the the one bad thing i will say for louisville is it's business as usual the atlantic looks loaded and it, it's going to be a tough thing fighting for that spot. So I think we can all say collectively, get rid of divisions. Let's scrap them. I want the two best teams in the championship. That was so much fun in 2020 with that yeah. COVID scheduling. It seems like it's like almost sometimes in college football that they see fans enjoying something and they're like, nope, we're going to dig our heels we in. take that away. We no, nope, we're, we're away. not doing that again. You enjoyed that far too much for our liking gear. But yeah, no, it, it's definitely going to be a, a, a packed schedule. I, I'm on the more optimistic side, which of course I feel like I have been every year for all of my life with football, but I do like Louisville's top of the roster. They are going to be much more complete. One thing that will be interesting to watch for spring, I don't know if you'll get a chance to get up here for spring or if you'll be a part of the ACC broadcast when they, when they come and do 
do the game, but Louisville will be missing a lot of those key guys because of injury. And some of these, these um, reserve players who played bigger roles last year and who were red shirt will get the opportunity to really earn snaps. And, and really right. you hope that when they're then pressed later in the season, in those moments that you'll have more Jalen Aldermans than you will uh, Rance Connor, who was absolutely destroyed by Brandon Miller and air force and that, that bowl game. So uh, that definitely is something to watch out for Louisville spring football, not too far away, actually just a few weeks now Louisville kicks off. It feels like in the winter every year, but uh, <laughs> man, thank you so much for, for joining us and talking football um, and, and tell EJ not to be so hard on Louisville anymore, man. That's I, right. That's right. I'll do, my <laughs> best. I'll do my best. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, uh, this, absolutely. This was a ton of fun. I appreciate yeah, absolutely. it. Thank you so much. That will wrap us up here on From the Pink Seats podcast. Thank you again so much for tuning in today. Thank you again to Eric McLean for jumping on and talking through the Louisville football season in 2021 and looking ahead to 2022. As always, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod. You can follow me at Jacob Lane 08. Follow Matt at McGavick at Matt underscore McGavick as well as Vincent Lococo at Vincent Lococo. And of course, be sure to subscribe, rate, review the podcast and all the other great podcasts on the State of Louisville Podcast Network, wherever you get your shows from. Until next time, go Cards. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.